For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part eight of the series. Now, this is the background to understand the event here that takes place in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 39, where Yeshua is having a meal with a Pharisee. And as he spake, that is Yeshua, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet, or he sat down to eat with him. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Why did he marvel? Because according to oral Torah, you must wash your hands before you eat. And this Pharisee was believing, assuming that Yeshua followed the same Torah that he was seeking to follow. So he marveled that he didn't wash his hands before he ate. Well, Yeshua used that opportunity to teach that it's not what we do externally that is most important, that is the washing of hands, but how things are spiritually, internally, that is with the condition of our heart. Now, the external should remind us of how we are to live our lives spiritually. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 39, the Lord said to him, now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. So this is the background to understand what Yeshua is teaching the multitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, when he says, for I say unto you that accept your righteousness, meaning the way in which you follow the Torah, exceed the the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, which they do it according to the oral law, that the multitudes, which on a deeper meaning is a reference to Ephraim scattered the nations, that when Ephraim returns to the Torah, believes that Yeshua is the Messiah, that the way in which they follow the Torah must exceed how the scribes and the Pharisees are doing it, which means they need to follow the Torah of Yeshua, who is the lawgiver, rather than following the Torah of the scribes and the Pharisees, which is the oral Torah. Now, in Exodus in chapter 20, 20 verse 13, it says, you shall not kill. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And in the chapter on the giving of the Ten Commandments, which is Exodus in chapter 20, it's followed by Exodus in chapter 21. And here in Exodus chapter 21 is a teaching about how you be a bondservant. And the ultimate calling of a believer in the God of Israel who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is to be a bondservant of his. And so, Exodus chapter 21 gives us some information regarding this. Now, in Exodus chapter 21,
21, verses 1 and 2, and verses 5 and 6, it is written, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and shall also bring him to the door, and unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Now, when Paul writes his letters, he often addresses them as he is a servant or a bondservant of Yeshua the Messiah. An example of this is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant or a bondservant of Yeshua HaMashiach. And then the book of Revelation wasn't just written to everybody. The book of Revelation was specifically written to the bondservants of Yeshua HaMashiach. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says, The revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach, which God gave unto him to show his servants or his bondservants, things which must shortly come to pass. So Yeshua is teaching here on the Sermon of the Mount to the multitudes, how they can be bondservants to Yeshua. And in Exodus in chapter 21, verse 12, it says, He that smites a man, so he die, shall surely be put to death. Now we go to Matthew in chapter 5, and Yeshua now is referring back to these scriptures in Exodus, which we read. And he says, You've heard that it was said by them of old time, You shall not kill. I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother, without a cause. Yeshua is going and he's explaining the deeper meaning of what it means to not kill. He's going beyond the letter of the Torah. He says that killing comes forth from first having anger in your heart. And then he says in Matthew in chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against you. Now, if he's speaking to the multitudes, the multitudes is a reference to Ephraim scattered into the nations at the sowed level or the deeper meaning, then who's the brother that Yeshua is speaking of? It would be Judah. It says, leave there your gift before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. So Yeshua is teaching Ephraim to be reconciled to his brother Judah and then come and offer your gift. Going back to Exodus chapter 20, it says, you shall not commit adultery. Well, the northern kingdom who Yeshua is addressing, that is Ephraim in the nations, at the sowed level or the deeper level, was given a bill of divorce in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, as it is written. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I put her away and gave her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. This is why Yeshua is teaching the multitudes, which is a reference to Ephraim scattered in the nations, regarding divorce. Matthew in chapter 5, verse 27, verses 31 and 32. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery, which is the letter of the law. It has been said, whoever shall put away his wife, let him write her a writing of divorcement. That comes from Deuteronomy in chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, commits adultery. 
history. Why is he explaining this? Because among the Pharisees, there were two separate views on divorce. One view was shared by the school of Hillel, another by the school of Shammai. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 5, page 299, it says, Rabbi Eliezer's view accords with that of Beit Shammai, that is the house of Shammai. Rabbi Eliezer with that of Beit Shammai. For Beit Shammai holds that a man may not divorce his wife unless he has found her to have committed an act of immorality, marital unfaithfulness. If he has found unseemly things in her, he cannot divorce her or just something he doesn't like. That's the meaning of finding an unseemly thing in her. Since he has not found her to have acted immorally, neither can he retain her because he has found unseemly things in her. Rabbi Joshua, however, followed Beit Hillel, the house of Hillel. For the latter, that is Beit Hillel, says that she can be divorced even if she has spilled his broth or spilled his soup. So basically, what we're being told here is that Beit Hillel, you can divorce your wife for any reason. But Beit Shammai says, no, you can only divorce if she has committed an act of immorality, marital unfaithfulness. This is the background to what we read in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 and verse 9. The Pharisees came unto him, tempting him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to put his way uh, his wife for every cause? Now, this is the position that you can put away your wife for every cause is a position of Beit Hillel. So they want to know whether do you agree with Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel. And Yeshua said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whosoever marries her which is put away does commit adultery. Actually, what Yeshua is explaining here is that he's in agreement with the view of Beit Shammai, which says you can only put away your wife if she is unfaithful, commits an act of immorality. Now, in the Hebrew-Greek Key Study Bible by Sparrow Zodiades and AMG Publishers, he gives a commentary about understanding what Yeshua is teaching here. And he explains a more little translation of these two very difficult verses, and that is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And it was said, whoever dismisses his wife, let him give her a bill of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever dismisses his wife except for the reason of fornication, while she is his wife, commits adultery against her. And whoever marries one who is unjustifiably dismissed is considered as committing adultery. So in further commentary to the question in Yeshua's response from Matthew chapter 19 verses 3 through 9 in the Hebrew Greek Key Study Bible, the commentary goes on to explain, it is assumed many times when these and similar verses, Matthew chapter 5 verse 32, Luke chapter 16 verse 18 are read that the one who is divorced should not remarry. However, in the situation that Jesus dealt with, the person that was put away was innocent. Jesus was addressing the issue here of a spouse divorcing a mate with the mere excuse that the desire is to be married to that particular person was gone. The only just cause for divorce is fornication. Consequently, anyone who was unjustly divorced acquired the false stigma that they were guilty of moral misconduct. For this reason, the Lord insisted that the provision in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 through 4 in the Torah be adhered to. The person 
person that unjustly dismisses an innocent mate ought to clear them of guilt by providing them with a bill of divorcement. In the case that the dismissed spouse was guilty of fornication, the Mosaic law requires that he or she be stoned. Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 21, making a bill of divorcement unnecessary. Divorce papers issued by a judge in today's society should not be equated with the Torah bill of divorcement. A careful reading of the two passages will reveal how the Lord determined who was the guilty party. Looking at Numbers chapter 5, which is there, beginning in verse 12, the test that is ministered to one who is suspected of committing unfaithfulness, and as well as Deuteronomy chapter 22. The Lord concerns himself only with the innocent party and not with the one who is merely able to secure a legal divorce. It is important to remember that Jesus never forbid the innocent person to remarry. In fact, Jesus accepted that this person might remarry in these circumstances. In Exodus in chapter 21, verses 24 through 26, it says, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. If you lend money to any of my people that is poor by you, you shall not be to him as a usurer, neither shall you lay upon him usury. If you at all take your neighbor's raiment to pledge, you shall deliver it unto him, by that the sun goes down. Now in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, Yeshua is teaching that in order to follow his Torah, that you do more than the letter of the law requires. You follow the spirit of the law. You have heard that it's said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. Whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. If the law says a mile, go two miles, go beyond the letter of the law. Give to him that ask of you and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. In other words, be generous. The heart of the Torah is to not only love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but to love your neighbor. And if you love your neighbor, you will want to do good and give and help your neighbor. In the Torah Anthology to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, page 81, referring to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, that you will love your fellow man as yourself, loving people is tantamount to fulfilling all else in Torah teaching. Yeshua taught the multitudes to do more than the letter of the law, but to follow the spirit of the law. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, Yeshua taught, you have heard that has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that is what was said among the circles of Judaism in Yeshua's day, among certain groups. But Yeshua says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, a bondservant is to follow the Torah in spiritual maturity, which means without blemish. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me. And the King James says, Be thou perfect. The word perfect is the Strong's number 8549 in the Hebrew dictionary. It's the Hebrew word tamim, and it means to be without blemish. It means to be without spot. It means to be spiritually mature. In Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, Blessed are 
are the undefiled. The word undefiled here is tamim, the same word that is translated as perfect in Genesis 17 verse 1, and it means those who are without blemish or spiritually mature. Blessed are the spiritually mature in the way who walk in the Torah of the Lord. So the spiritually mature, the tamim, will follow the Torah. And a bondservant of Yeshua will follow the Torah in spiritual maturity. That is what Yeshua is explaining in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Be therefore perfect, meaning be tamim, be without blemish, be spiritually mature even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, the Torah is the will of the God of Israel. Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your Torah is within my heart. Yeshua taught the multitudes to pray that the Torah be followed on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 9, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he said, after this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught for the kingdom to come. And when the kingdom comes, Messiah is going to be teaching the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3. And when the kingdom comes, then his will will be done on earth during the Messianic era. That is the following of the Torah, even as the following of Torah is done in heaven. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 9, pages 10 and 11, it explains that following the Torah is like finding hidden treasure. And the desire to follow the Torah is like the desire to find hidden treasure. Rabbi Pinius, son of Yair, opened his exposition with these words, if you will seek her as silver, from Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 4. If you seek after the words of the Torah as after hidden treasures, the Holy One, blessed be he, will not withhold your reward. If a man loses an object in his house, he lights lamp after lamp, wick after wick till he finds it. Now, does it not stand to reason if for these things, something in a natural world, which are only temporary, a man will light so many lamps and lights till he finds what he's looking for or that which is lost or hidden. For the words of the Torah, which are the life both of this world and of the next, ought you then to search as for hidden treasure. So the Hebraic perspective and background is your desire for Torah is to be so great that you're to search and seek after it like you would something lost that you want to find or hidden treasure. Matthew in chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, Yeshua said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeshua is teaching the multitudes that before they have dialogue with their brother and try to point out to their brother what is the fault in them, they must first follow Torah before they seek after their brother. Now, this is Matthew in chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Yeshua taught, why do you behold the mote that is in your brother's eye? So he's speaking to the multitudes and he's saying that the multitudes has a brother. So the multitudes is a reference to Ephraim scattered in the nations and who would be the brother of Ephraim? 
it would be Judah, the house of Judah, the Jewish people. So he says, why do you behold the mote in your brother's eye? And what is it that Ephraim sees that's the mote in Judah's eye? It is that they don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. But at the same time, you don't consider the beam that is in your own eye. And what's the beam that's in Ephraim's eye? Well, he believes in Yeshua, but he doesn't believe in following the Torah. Or traditional Christianity doesn't seek to express their faith in Yeshua as the Messiah by following his Torah. So then Yeshua says, how will you say to your brother, that would be Judah, let me pull out the moat out of your eye. That is, let me show you and explain to you how that Yeshua is the Messiah, but a beam is in your own eye, meaning you're not following the Torah. You hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of your own eye. First, seek to follow the Torah and understand that Yeshua is the lawgiver and understand that you're to follow his Torah and understand that Yeshua came to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Get the beam out of your own eye and then you will see clearly how to cast the moat out of your brother's eye or you will understand how to share it with Judah that Yeshua is the Messiah. Now, Yeshua is going to teach the multitudes how they are to be wise and that a wise person builds their house upon a rock. Well, who are the wise? The wise are those that follow the Torah. Psalm 19 verse 7, it says the Torah of the Lord is perfect. The last part of the verse, making wise the simple. The Torah makes wise the simple. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 7, whoever keeps the Torah is a wise son. Yeshua is the rock of our salvation. Psalm chapter 18 verse 2 and verse 31, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. For who is God save the Lord or who is a rock save our God? Psalm 78 verse 35. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. So the one that's the rock is also their redeemer. The one that is their rock is also their deliverer and the one who provides them salvation. And Paul explained that this rock is Yeshua. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Messiah. Now Yeshua is teaching in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that means follows the Torah, I will liken him unto a wise man, and a wise person is one that follows the Torah, who builds his house, or the way in which he follows the Torah, he builds his house upon a rock, that is Yeshua. A wise person, the one that follows the Torah, will follow the Torah according to the teachings of Yeshua. He's the rock that we are to build our house upon. Let's summarize what we have taught in this session. Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are one. What happens to Israel happens to the Messiah. And as an example of this, Israel was taken to Egypt, brought out of Egypt, got immersed, was tested in the wilderness, and was taught Torah on a mountain. And Matthew in chapter 1 through chapter 5, Yeshua has a miraculous birth, is taken to Egypt, brought out of Egypt, got immersed, was tested in the wilderness, and he's teaching the Torah on a mountain. Ephraim in Genesis chapter 48 is referred to as a multitude of nations or a multitude of people. When Yeshua was speaking to the multitudes in Matthew chapter 5, at the sowed level on a deeper meaning, he's alluding to speaking to Ephraim scattered in the nations. Yeshua taught the multitudes 
kids on the mountain how to believe in him, follow his Torah, and to be a Torah bondservant. And so this is a part of a Hebraic Heritage Ministries discipleship program where you can participate in this discipleship program by purchasing monthly audio or video teachings, which will systematically walk you in understanding the Hebrew roots of your faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. Now remember these words always from 1 John in chapter 2 and verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says that he's a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, ought himself to walk, that means to live our lives, even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk or how did he live his life? He followed the Torah of his Father, even as he instructed those who believe on him in John chapter 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, which means follow the Torah of the Messiah. Well, that's going to conclude part eight of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.